0: Reflecting this week on part of my journey um, as a a believer. And when I started off, I came to faith in a Baptist church in South Wales. And um, I was just a teenager, 15 years old. I didn't grow much. I was 15. And I was just more interested in other things, I suppose. I had a genuine and sincere thankfulness to Jesus. But I wasn't from a a religious home or anything. So, you know, he'd really met me. uh, But it really didn't make a huge difference to my life as such. Except that I would pray now. And that I knew that Jesus was real. I knew that he was there. I knew that God was there. And I went away then to London, and within four days, three days, I'd met someone who was attending a church. It was a gospel church, gospel hall, in a place called Greenford, West London. And so I started attending that church, and attended that church for some time and started to read the Bible and, and, and study more. And, and I had a desire, the desire started really for, for studying and finding out the truth of the Scripture. And I went to Bible college and took a degree in theology because I thought that that would help me understand more, you know, and and, and that I'd, I'd, I'd learn more that way. When I was in Bible college, um, you know, I learned the... Um, uh, I suppose I I learned, I would say, theology, formal theology, and I came out of Bible college cynical about the things of God, really. And so, you know, whenever an evangelist would come by, you know, an enthusiastic evangelist would come by, I, I would be of the ilk that would make fun of them you know he's a con man that's what i that's what i was like he's a con man he's he's a oh he's a he, healing evangelist yeah right con man he's out to make some money that's what i was of of the ilk of and I continued my studies, you know, and I was uh, interested. I was singing at the time, you know, I would enjoy singing, really. That's what my, um, I, I was still involved in that world. And um, paid my way, really, through Bible college by singing demos and things like that for some of the companies. Had an interesting times, interesting adventures. And then... When I went to the, I I went to the Bible college to really find out, you know, about who Jesus really was, what's this Jesus really about, what's he really like, and I found a dry environment. And yesterday I was reading Pastor Mick's book. You know, Pastor Mick from um, Church on the Street in Burnley, Bishop Michael now. I'm I just looking into that book yesterday, and it's interesting. He when, he, when he met me, he describes in the book of how he met me and, and how that he met someone who, like him, really believed what the Bible was saying, which was unlike the people in the Bible college where he got his degree, because he said, those people didn't seem to really believe what the Bible was saying. But he said, this, this man in the purple shirt, as he described me, <laughs> he said, he, he, he really got it. He said, he was like me, he, he believed the Bible, he believed in what the Bible said. He seemed to really believe it, unlike the people in the Bible College. And that was my experience. In the Bible college, you know, the, the professors and the people that, that when I was there, and, and then later, after that, when I did my um, master's degree in theology, and then when I started my research in theology, I, I, it was the same throughout. I, I found that th- there wasn't an enthusiasm for the Lord. There wasn't this type of enthusiasm. There was a dry, academic sort of, you know almost i would say a puffed up uh pride you know an arrogance a a sort of well you know we know all about this you see and and, and i just didn't it didn't resonate with me and it didn't resonate with bishop michael but what did resonate with me and what did resonate with him was when we met people that really seemed to have an enthusiasm for the word of god and seemed to live a life that was similar to the people in the Bible. So when I met the Irish evangelist, my friend Martin Newman, who was always telling people about Jesus, and everywhere he went, he was enthusiastic, and he was full of life. And he was just telling people, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And he was just gushing with this love for people. When I met him, it it was wonderful. He told me his story, you know. He said that in the 70s in London, in the 1970s, he said it was difficult if you were Irish. There was the IRA and, and all that stuff. He said he was, he went into hospital to have an operation on his knee. Okay? And they would do it quickly, it was on his veins. He came out to the hospital about 1972. He came out of the hospital in 1972. And as he walked down the street, he was hungry because he didn't eat the hospital food. And he said, I'll go to the pub, he said, and I'll get a meal. And so he was on his way to the pub to get a meal. And he stopped, he was in just such pain. And he fell on his knees. And he just sat down in the pavement. And a police officer was walking by and the police officer said, get up. He said, I can't, he said, I can't move. He said, get up. He said, I can't, I can't move. said, my leg is, he said, if you don't get up, I'll call the van. He said, I can't move. He said, I just come from the hospital. He said, and he, he heard his Irish accent and he said, get up, you're drunk he said I can't move he called the van the police van came they picked him up they threw him in the back of the police van they took him down to the police station and beat him up till he was unconscious he woke up in the police cell and the next day they said right you're going to before the judge tomorrow he said, I haven't done anything. He said, you were drunk and you tried to attack our officer. They, the judge, he went before the judge. He told the judge everything that had happened. He said, are you accusing my officers of treating you in this way? He said, you're a disgrace. Sent into prison for three months. sent him to prison for three months. And he's a gentle soul. He wouldn't have fitted well into the prison life at all. But he came out of prison and Jesus met him. And he said, when he met Jesus Christ for the first time, the gospel hit him. He said, for several months, he was sort of enveloped in love. He just had a love for people. He had a love for, the, if he had met that policeman, he had a love for him. He had a love for everyone, just loved everyone. You couldn't hurt him. He just had a love for people because that's what Jesus had done for him. And because of that love, this is why he was an evangelist. You know, we worked out. I sat down once with him. His good friend was a man called Arthur Blessed. Anyone know Arthur Blessed? carried the cross around the world, through, right through war zones and everything. And Arthur Blessed was his good friend. I've got a photograph of the two of them together. And But well, we worked out that he had led about 30,000 people, one-on-one, to Jesus Christ. Told them the gospel straight one-on-one. Many times I was with him, and he'd go up to someone, and he'd say, he, he, he'd just go up to them. He'd say, you know, he'd just meet, so he'd say, Did you know Jesus loves you? Oh, did you know Jesus loves you? He went to the cross, and he just shared the gospel of how Jesus took all their sin on the cross. And if they just wanted to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, they could enter into this eternal life. That Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross there's a great exchange. If you put your faith in Jesus, everything that you've ever done wrong, all your sins are thrown on the cross so to speak and in return jesus imputes righteousness into you what a great exchange that is amen and how does it happen it just happens through the switch of faith hallelujah what a switch i like that switch you ever switch the switch you want to switch it on and like the sound of it or something or you like the lights Switch it on, baby, switch it on. (laughs) I want to switch that switch on. And I want to switch it on for everyone. It's the great switch of eternity. And anyway, he would tell people, and then we'd pray for people very often, you know. We'd pray for people, and we'd see people impacted and healed and delivered. And I thought to myself, one day, you know, in this story somewhere, I, I, I... In this story somewhere, I met him one time, and you would have probably uh, heard the testimony. I won't tell you the whole testimony now, but he met me one evening when I was ill. I spent time with him. He persisted, and he impacted me by teaching me not to focus on my problems, but to focus on God. And that when I focus on God instead of my problems, what happens is my problems shrink and God grows in his influence in my life I have the choice to do that and I choose that by what I decide to think on and focus on and I learned that and I learned that when I do that I can walk in victory and one of the times that we spent together shortly after that, he introduced me to a man called Charles Caps. And getting back to the theology, Charles Capps wrote a book called The Tongue, A Creative Force. And that book, when I read, he gave it to me, he said, read this book. And I read that book and I thought, what a simpleton. This man's a simpleton. Because I was so puffed up in my theology, you know, I felt I was such a clever man. I was so, you know, I was so clever. And this man was writing in a simple way. The truth of the matter is, of course, that I was very immature in my faith and didn't really understand very much. And this man was very mature in his faith and understood far more than me. And he didn't need to, he wasn't so insecure that he needed complicated theology. He just needed to talk to people in a way they can understand, in a loving, kind, beautiful way, you know? And that's the truth of it. And you know that still applies to so many people in that whole world of dead religion. So I had dead religion impinging in on me. And um, I thank the Lord that, you know, He uses all that we've been through in the past uh, for His purposes. And so He's using that and He's used that now, but I've got a different perspective today, and Charles Caps helped me. But here's the thing, okay? Charles Caps and those people, they understood about prosperity, for example. Now, I just want to say this before we go into this scripture of John 10, which I want to read from John 10, that a foundational part of understanding our position in Christ Is that we understand who God is and I say to people look God wants to prosper us God wants us healthy God wants to prosper us and so many people in the mindset that's been theologically educated in a formal way don't get that they don't seem to they're too proud to accept that actually And what they're doing is they're trusting in their own prosperity. In fact, what you'll find, and watch this, you'll find that the people who object to godly prosperity, as is taught in the Bible, are the people who are from the middle-class background. Western middle-class people object to biblical prosperity because instead they want to rely on their own prosperity. And they think that, oh, well, you know, God's not interested in that. And they, what they try and do is they try and have a, a sort of superior uh, position as if as if money and finances and prosperity in healing and health and prosperity of emotions and the prosperity of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, as if that's something that, you know, well, we don't need that because, you know, we're not focused on those things. Now, I understand that Jesus said a man's life does not consists of the abundance of his possessions so i'm not focused on those things at all and we should never be focused on those things but i do know that my god loves me and he's a good father and i understand it's foundational to expect from a loving father his provision and his provision you could describe it as prosperity okay enough for us and enough for us to be a blessing to others blessed to be a blessing amen amen and I want that to be settled in all our minds because I'll tell you the truth okay now listen to me and listen real closely to me listen to me this is important the number one killer in the UK apparently according to the health professionals is stress And the number one cause of stress, they've said, is financial worry. So financial worry leads to stress, which leads to sickness. Who's going to be behind that? It's not God. That's not God's way. It's not His will. God's way is prosperity so that we can live with enough to be a blessing to others it's a different path altogether than that amen? amen are you with me this morning everyone are you sure some people are some people are a bit too quiet for my liking are you with me this morning yes. come on listen and I tell you what I promise you I make a promise to you you tell this to some people okay, especially those middle-class Westerners. I'm telling you, they, they don't like it very often. Oh, prosperity. Oh, you don't believe prosperity. I've had people say to me, you don't believe in prosperity, do you? Duh. What do what, what? <laughs> what you... Oh, no, no, I'm all about poverty, me. I, I, I'm in the poverty camp. I Oh, I'd love to be poor and have poverty. You know, you have to be i mean what's going on up there i wonder I, my grandpa you know he was a lovely man he was a businessman and he he would write his christmas cards and i, also, I often think about this he'd write his christmas cards out so lovely he had a beautiful handwriting oh his handwriting was oh it's a work of art and, and 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 he he would write his christmas cards i can see them now i wish i had one I, i'll have to see perhaps in the attic in the home in wales perhaps but he would write them out he'd say wishing you a very merry christmas and a prosperous new year how lovely you need a good dose of religion not to accept that and many people have got it but not us amen (laughs) It's important because they, they hate, look, there's a war taking place, okay? The wheat, you know, the tares and, and the wheat grow together. You, you know where something is from God. Whenever God is involved in something, there's life, there's growth, okay? It's intrinsic in the New Testament, this. You, if you know the character of God, you understand that this is a foundational thing. This isn't an additional thing, it's foundational. And with that, I want us to go to John 10. So come with me to John 10, please. It says this, uh, reading from verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. The words of Jesus. That's what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf come in and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep i'm the good shepherd and i know my sheep and i'm known by them as the father knows me even so i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep And other sheep i have also which are not of this fold them also i must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd isn't it beautiful this wonderful picture and it says here let me just let me just go back here um it says this it says that he he goes before them and let me just get this for you in verse 9. I'm the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and we'll go in and out and find pasture. What does the word pasture mean in the Greek? Do you know what it means? It means increase. It means prosperity. Jesus leads us into increase, into prosperity, into all that we may need or want or desire. He leads us into that. Now Jesus also says, every day we'll have trouble. Oh yes every day has trouble but we have the buoyancy of christ on the inside of us so that whatever is coming our way we face it with the buoyancy of christ so we can face things with faith we're not cowering down before anything we face everything with faith and god expects us then to live with this perspective that he leads us not into limited environment but he leads us into pasture he leads us that way isn't it tremendous I I find it thrilling that we can look to him and understand that as we yield he's leading us into his pasture that place of abundance that's what that word means underline that word and say that is prosperity it's abundance make it clear for yourself please this is foundational stuff this is basic stuff you see but middle-class westerners don't get it because they lived all their lives relying on themselves rather than relying on god And God wants us to rely on him, putting him first place. Putting him first place for everything. Well, that sounds a bit radical, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. It's called discipleship. I mean, it gets even stronger. I'm going to jump here. It says this. Let's go to verse um, uh, 30. Jesus says this, I, my father, are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? (gasps) That's what Jesus said. He's quoting from the Old Testament. What does it mean? It means that man was put in a place of authority. Man was given authority to rule and have a destiny on planet earth and man is expected to take that up and God expects mankind to take that up what does that mean for us well it means that we hear his voice it means that we then on hearing his voice do not limit his instructions to our limited understanding We we remove our limited understanding and we say, I've heard the voice of God. I'm now going to follow the voice of God and I'm going to do what God's told me to do. It may seem impossible. It may be something very different. It's the leading of God. Now, we are God's. Would anyone here like to describe themselves as a God? <laughs> Remember now, I'm quoting from the Bible here. If you don't understand, if you haven't studied it, well, you know, I'm just telling you what it, what it says. Okay, we're looking at this together. Anyone here feel comfortable with describing themselves as a God? Did someone say yes? Liz. Okay, what do you mean by that, Liz? He's given us authority. Well, what does the word Christian really mean? Little Christ. That's what it means little christs it's precisely what it says that's what it means now i know that that will i know it's going to play on people's minds oh i don't i don't agree with that i know you don't agree with it that's okay i know you're going to go away more people are going to go away Say, i don't i really think i don't agree with what he said he said this is what he said this morning can you believe it Don't say that. It's not what I said, it's what we read in the Bible. Don't blame me. I'm trying to be faithful to what the Word says. I'm talking about the text that the others don't talk about very often. This is what it says. I want to share and perhaps help our understanding by saying, what that means in real life okay what it means is that we have now an opportunity to enter into a realm that we've never even thought could be ours for example when i left the bible college i didn't think of i didn't understand these things after my first theology degree i had no idea of these things and someone said to me one day have you seen a video of this man kenneth Hagan? Kenneth Hagan had a video on YouTube, and, and on this video, he prayed for someone and their leg grew out. And I thought, that is just wild. I thought, what? And then I checked I was doing my Bible studies. I thought, well, I know that that's all things are possible. That's a healing. I know that can happen. Well. This is what being a little Christ is. This is what being a little Christ means. Look, look. We're the body of Christ. Isn't that what it says? We're the body of Christ. What does that mean? We're His hands. We're His feet. We're His mouth. That's what it means. So what would Christ do if he was in the situation? That's what he wants us to do. Love has been perfected among us in this. As he is, so are we in this world. Amen. So, so that means that we're re- look, you see, religion, religion doesn't put a demand on us to make any difference at all okay religion with religion there's no expectation you just go in you say hello how are you nice to see you god bless i'll see you next week bye that's religion i'm not interested in that i don't care for that i'm interested in the reality of that which we are reading about in the word which causes a massive change in lives which causes fire to spread throughout the United Kingdom, which causes fire to spread in my life and in your life. So when I saw that video and I studied and it, it says, all things are possible, only believe. Speak to your mountain. I thought, this has got to be for me. So I just said, you know what? We're going to operate in this faith realm. Yeah. And it's up to God. I know that that's what the Bible says. Yeah. I would be insincere to now carry on and not put a demand on my faith. I wasn't sure if I, people would just laugh at me and think that I was a, uh, you know, whatever. And they have, and they will. And that's their right. And I don't care. (laughs) You know, I give a testimony in the church one time of of the time that I was looking for a house with my parents uh, for me and Micah, the first home that we had. And you may have heard the testimony before when we ran out of petrol in the Welsh countryside and my mum and dad are sitting in the back of the car and I said, "Mum and Dad, you won't understand this, but we'd run out of petrol." But I said, "I'm going to speak petrol into the tank of this car in Jesus' name." Now, I mean, that's pretty out there, isn't it? For some people, that's pretty out there. But I tell you, you go down this road, you go down this Bible, you go down the road of religion, and you're way out there with that. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're just. But if you go down this road. The road where all things are possible the road where you can believe and receive you go down this road where you can speak to mountains you go down this road where now you're an ambassador of god in his kingdom where you have authority of god in his kingdom you go down this road and it's not so far off in fact it's not far off at all in fact you know that when you do it it's going to happen and that's a That's a fun place to be, everyone. (laughs) I want that for everyone. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? (laughs) And I spoke in Jesus' name and petrol went in the car and the testimony, you know. I shared the testimony in this church. And it wasn't long after I received feedback from someone who said, Oh, you know, they're all talking about you now. And they've been laughing about you and they've been talking about you because now they're saying oh he thinks he doesn't need to go to the garage to fill his car up with petrol i didn't say that i didn't say that i just said that if i was in a particular circumstance at a particular time i have an exit through christ amen i can i i'm see i'm chosen see My case is different. Amen. I'm special. My case is different. I have power to speak to mountains. Amen. Tap yourself on your, just say, it. I I have, I'm special, I am. My case is different. Yeah. Feels good, doesn't it? Everyone doing it here. I'm special. I am. My case is different. <laughs> Don't be shy. <laughs> and and then and then you know, Pat had Pat had shoes that were a different uh, size. One of her shoes was you know one of her shoes was bigger than the other one. And I said, Pat, we're going to pray, lovely Patricia who's been such a blessing to us all, isn't she? Isn't she a lovely blessing to us all? And I remember that night when she came out and, and, I, and, and I just was excited in God. And I said, I'm going to minister healing to you in Jesus Christ's name. And I ministered healing to her and her leg grew out. And she didn't need those shoes after that. And God... Um, saw that it was on the front pages of the newspapers the secular newspapers hallelujah it's a miracle we've heard it earlier how god is working in miracles he loves us and so the foundational teaching i want us to have in john 10 is this i want us to have this this morning and this connects with something that i'm just going to touch very briefly on it's the self-image which i've been talking about you know we all carry around a self-image and i'm imploring you this morning brothers and sisters i want you to examine your own self-image and i want you to make sure that what you think about yourself isn't the robbery of who you really are by religion, or the robbery of who you really are by your friends and relatives, or the robbery of who you really are by your own negative thoughts. I want to make sure that you're not a victim to those thieves that come in and steal Like the robbers we've been reading of in John 10. The very opposite of the abundant life that Jesus has for us. This abundant life is a life of power and resources to change the lives of the people within your sphere of influence. And it demands that we have a correct and biblical self-identity that we identify with the person god has told us we are it's vital vitally important you know for a start some people have an acute for, um a guilt complex anyone here with an acute guilt complex anyone feel guilty all the time you feel like you're a failure you feel guilty all the time yeah, some people are putting their hands up. Yeah, yeah. I listen, it's an attack that I have. He's tried to attack all the time. This is a constant battle. But you know the truth is that Ephesians 1 7 tells us that we're forgiven of all our sins. Hallelujah. Forgiven. Dealt with. Finished. Finito. Hallelujah. 1 John 3 2 confirms that we're a child of God. That's who we are. Yes. Romans 8 17 says that we're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Now just picture what does a joint heir with Christ Jesus look like? Or what do they walk like? Do they do do, do, do they walk, you know? Uh, they, they don't walk like that, their gait is different. There's a buoyancy about them. There's something about them. What's going on on the inside is manifesting out. There's a strength. And that's what God is saying to us. Look, I want you to walk like this. I want you to walk and talk this gospel. Don't have it as a mental ascent, an intellectual ascent in the mind. Live it. Breathe it. Walk and talk it so that people see you. They see a living testimony to Christ Jesus. He's alive and he lives in us. He's alive and he lives in you. Amen. Remember that song we used to sing? It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. He lives, he lives jesus is alive in me it's no longer i that liveth but christ that liveth in me well if he's alive in you walk like it talk like it live it amen hallelujah 2 corinthians five twenty says that i'm an ambassador of christ on the earth I'm an ambassador of Christ. And if you've met ambassadors, you know that they want to represent. And they want to represent strongly. They want to represent well. And they want to be representative in a faithful way. Glory to God. Put a demand on yourself, okay? Will you do that, everyone? Demand of yourself. Say, I will live this life. I will live this life. Yeah. I will live this life. I will live, this life. Live, this life. live this life. Have you got a Bible? Yes. Lift it up. I will, I will live this life in the name of Jesus Christ, who I serve as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I'm just going to go on as I close here, just finish off. You know, we've said that we're children of God. We've said that we're forgiven. We've said, you know, that we are joint heirs with Christ. We've said that we're ambassadors. But, you know, it's a nice one to finish to think that we're kings and priests. Hallelujah. Yes, that's right. Kings and priests. How does a king walk? He's not walking. He's... He's walking, there's a confidence because he's believing in God. And you know I'm talking about that which is on the inside and manifests out. It's the un- I'm talking about the unquantifiable realm. You know, I'm not suggesting that everyone walks with a certain strut or anything. You understand what I'm saying, I hope. You can walk meekly but there's a certain something there's a certain something because of the life that we're living in short you know we have a very significant position in the kingdom of god your self-image must not be founded on the old negative images it's time to embrace now listen to this in summary this is a summary sentence it's time to embrace that positive biblical self image and throw away the old. Amen? There's an important rule to learn early in the process of change that what you focus on, you get direction from. Henry Ford said something which I think is very insightful. He said, those who think they can and those who think they can't are usually both right. He's called us to think that we can. And we certainly can through Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's uh, stand together, shall we? let's stand together everyone and mark thank you We're so pleased that you could join us for today's broadcast. You can visit us at www.stephenlynevansministries.com and help us take the good news around the world through partnership today, reaching the lost and teaching and equipping the church because Jesus is Lord.